and then it's really listening and connecting when you're with people because we're all too often distracted with social media or um, what we've got to do next but it's actually being in the moment with someone and listening and hearing what they're saying is powerful for us as well as it is for them welcome to the power hour the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success i'm adrienne herbert international speaker fitness coach adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur each week i'll be talking to today's leading coaches creatives change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits morning routines and rules to live by the power hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential whether you want to build a business write a book run a marathon or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Hello and welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. So my aim with this podcast is to encourage and inspire, but I also want to offer practical tools and tips to help you get the most out of every single day. So today's guest is a psychologist, performance coach and author with over 18 years of experience working with multinational companies and some of the UK's most successful business leaders and prominent people from different industries. She is on a mission to make our lives just a bit better, easier and healthier. Welcome to the show, Fiona Murden. Thanks so much for inviting me. Thanks for coming in. I'm so happy to have you here. I read your book earlier this summer. Thank you. um, Which I loved. I absolutely loved it. It's called Defining You, which I recommend. And yeah, basically, I feel like I read a lot of books. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm a little bit obsessed with self-improvement and learning and particularly like human behavior. Um, So yeah, so your book was perfect for me. I really liked so many things. Chapter seven, the kind of Future, uh, conversation with your future self oh yeah love that I, there's so many things in there but um yeah really enjoyed well, it's it it's good to hear yeah and i like how it made you it, it encouraged you to be very self-reflective and very honest so there's sections in the book guys that kind of um yeah it goes through lists of things that'll ask you to rate one to five you know be about yourself and it's funny i think if someone else was asking me i probably I don't know if I'd have been as honest, but when you're just reading it, there's no point, you know, it's just you, you know the truth. So yeah, I really liked that kind of moment of self-reflection and yeah, trying to bring self-awareness to my strengths and weaknesses. So fab. Yeah, I I mean, I think it is something that people sort of squirm at if they think someone else is going to ask them. And that's one of the things I was hoping the book would do is give some people like their own privacy to explore it, Um, but then reach out to people at different points and test what what they've explored. So after reading the book, I knew that I wanted to, get you on the show obviously the last few months I've been working on this I had the idea and I was like okay I definitely need to reach out to to you because I'd never met you so yeah I feel like I know you after our chat this morning yeah yeah. (laughs) so super grateful that you said yes so for anyone who doesn't know let's kick it off and can you tell us a little bit about what you do and and why you decided to rewrite defining you Great. Yeah. So um, the core of what I do is profiling senior leaders. So when, for example, a company maybe has, they, they've, they've seen lots of candidates for a role and they get down to the last two for, say, a CEO or something like that, then they wheel me in and I will uh, do a four-hour in-depth psychological profile with them. Um, I go through their life. Um, I look at pulling out things that are thematic in their life, basically, uh, but from a slightly clinical perspective but also obviously I'm a business psychologist and then 
it's reflecting that back to them, feeding it back, saying, okay, given this, these are your strengths in context of this role. These are the things you would bring. These are the risks of hiring you into this role. And the same would be fed back to the organisation. Wow, that sounds fascinating. You must meet so many different, yeah, different kinds of people. And I guess having that depth of knowledge into behavior and habits and things that you do I just think wow it must be really fascinating it's really I feel really really privileged to hear people's stories but you know it's it's sometimes it's daunting for people because Mm. they're coming in to meet a psychologist to assess them for a role Um, but I'm really lucky because people you know been really really honest and open and and they let you I I mean in the end it, it helps a person even if they don't role because they've got a profile they've got things to think about and reflect on and Mm. and I always do a feedback session where I go through a report that I've written on them and so it's saying well if you've not got this role what do you want to do where do you want to go how can you make good use of your strengths Mm. so and how did you so how did you start how did you get into into that role so I I I went through a funny route because I did psych I wanted to do psychology at school and a physics teacher said to me no you should do psychiatry and I had a stepsister and a stepdad who were doing medicine. I started off A-levels for medicine and I looked at them and I thought, I don't actually want to do medicine, you know, I want to do psychology. So I went to uni, did psychology and then realised clinical psychology, I didn't know if I could hack it okay. because it's working with people sometimes who are very disturbed and I thought, I'm not sure, I would, I'm quite empathic mm-hmm. and I thought I would end up too much in their head. Um, and I just didn't think I could cope with that. Mm. So I thought, I oh, know, I'll do business. And so I did a business master's, went to work for consultancy, partly because everyone went, oh, it's really not you, Fiona. And I'm kind of like, well, I'll show you. Um, and it wasn't me. <laughs> but when I was doing that, I realised that the bit that I enjoyed most and the bit that I excelled at, I guess, or where my strengths lay were people. Um, and I was just always kept getting drawn back to the psychology piece. So I went back to uni to do my MSc in occupational psychology to become chartered. Great. And I love what I do. But I, I mean, the key thing with the book mm. is that I wanted to share that with other people because I feel it's wrong that only people that can afford to pay a psychologist get access to the tools and the insights. I think everyone should have it. And so while a friend of mine quite rightly said, Fiona, people in underprivileged backgrounds are not going to pick up a book and read it because they're the sort of one of the populations I want to reach, mm. it's a I start. I disagree with that. Do completely. you? I completely disagree with that. Yeah, I think especially in the time that we live now, with we have access to so many things and I think that's quite a... I don't know how I feel about that as a statement. Do you know what I mean? That saying the people, as you said, those are the people that need it the most. So why shouldn't they be able to access it? If they can't afford to see a one-to-one psychologist, then perhaps, you know, listening to a podcast yeah. like this, yeah. or, you know, maybe they could order your book on Amazon or if it's, um, it's not on Audible yet. It's, it's no, uh, we've had, uh, so my publisher didn't put it on Audible and someone approached us to mm. put it on Audible. So now my publishers want to put it on Great. Audible. Yeah, Audible, exactly. I think Audible's fantastic. And yeah, I think that now the world is changing and I think people who, where there's a will there's a hundred ways so people who want to find the information if they seek they will find so I yeah sorry to interrupt but I just want to know more about yeah I guess you were talking about why you wrote the book to help those people yeah and and my next book which I can't share about yet but it's um whilst it's a book that probably serves similar population but a bit broader Mm. um the aim is to then be able to get uh sort of programs and things into communities on the back of it which will hopefully start making a difference because that's what I want to do well, even though it sounds cheesy that's what I want to do no it doesn't sound cheesy at all it sounds absolutely fantastic and I yeah I love that and I think 
for myself, as I said, reading the book. I ordered it on Amazon. It came within a couple of days. And I think so many people now with the with the internet and with social media and all of these things, I think there's ways if you keep yeah putting great things like this out there that it is going to really help so many people. So so thank you. Well, that's good to hear. Thank yeah. you. So personally, I am fascinated with habits and with what I do working in the fitness industry. I think there's a lot, I have a lot of conversations with people about, you know, behaviors, habits, how to kind of make good habits or, you know, kind of get rid of bad habits. So um, why, I guess what I'm always thinking about is why is it so much easier for some people, well, it seems easier for them to create good habits than it is for others. So, you know, and even there be things like, um, addictions and I don't mean you know severe addictions but like daily addictions when people talk about maybe caffeine sugar they can't oh they can't give up my wine or I can't give up cheese or whatever it is um and yeah making good habits for things like exercise um some people once they start a program they can stick to it you know they can do their three sessions a week um whereas other people really struggle to kind of keep that motivation they might say they're all or nothing so they'll do loads for a little while and then they stop so could you talk to us a bit about what a habit is essentially and how we can make better habits so a habit is and I love I love this sort of because so our brain hasn't really changed for 50,000 years so if our brain is operating as if it's in uh, the savannah or somewhere like that and what it wants to do is keep us safe save energy reproduce all those things and habits fall under the save energy piece so what happens if you think about it in the context if we come back today think about it learning to drive a car so when you're learning to drive a car, you're thinking about everything. You're thinking, oh, which gear is it next? And when do I press the clutch down? And, oh, I've got to look in my mirrors. And and then after we've passed our test and we've been driving for a couple of years, we just don't think. We pull out, we look in the mirror, we do those things automatically. That, in effect, is how habits are formed. So they're very deliberate and conscious actions that then form into they move into a different part of the brain and it saves us energy because we no longer have to make decisions on them but the problem is so that's a a conscious decision we also have a lot of unconscious decisions that form habits so for example one I'll give myself as an example actually there's a WH Smith's by where I get the train home and at the end of the day if I've been working in London I'm really hungry and I just run into WH Smith's and pick up what's closest which is usually a packet of crisps or chocolate bar um and I started doing that and I didn't think about it and it became a habit because I would just, without thinking about it, get to the train, run to WH Smith, grab a chocolate bar. That's a bad habit. Mm. And I had to consciously break that habit because sure. it was like, hang on a minute, <laughs> this isn't healthy. Mm-hmm. And I am quite a healthy person. Yeah. Um, so th- those things can happen. We can fall into habits without realising it. And that's what happens with addiction and drugs as well. Is you, you, It can start as something you do occasionally. Or even if you think, for for day-to-day life having a glass of wine glass of wine perfect one so it gets yeah struggle with that one so it might get to seven o'clock in the evening putting kids to bed oh i'll just have a glass of wine and then on the days that you don't have it you really struggle because you think well no i I need my glass of wine it's part it's become habitual Hmm. Hmm. so is there anything that you know from a from a personality point of view is it easier for some people because it's just their personality so people I think I'm somebody who I get up early I train early I exercise a lot and I think often people just think oh but you love it Adrienne it's just part of your personality you just love to get up and go for a run which is true on some days but yeah is it is it a personality trait if we have I guess so for example willpower people often talk about that don't they and they'll say 
you know um willpower what what even is willpower but they'll say oh you must have really great willpower because i always see you're up out early or or some people will, will confess themselves like oh i'm just useless i have no willpower so yeah is it something we can get more of can we get better what do you think yeah so will willpower is really interesting there's a guy called uh professor roy Baumister, wow, I'm not very good at pronouncing those, Baumister, whatever, Um, but I can give you the name properly. But he's done loads of research on willpower and self-control, and he likens it to a muscle. Mm -hmm. And so he says, you know, a a perfect analogy for you probably, Adrian, it's if you train that muscle, then it improves. Mm -hmm. But the other thing with a muscle is it gets tired. And so if you overuse it, it needs to recover. And so what happens actually is with what people think has happens and they've shown it time and time again is if you offer someone for example in experiments they'd offer someone a cookie and they might say no the first time but when it comes to the second or the third time they find it harder because you're almost using up your reserve of willpower which means that some people will have a lower level of willpower because their muscle isn't as trained but then there's also the factor that if we're tired we're less likely to have good levels of willpower um and to make yourself better um it's doing things like mindfulness actually because what that does is it um it trains the frontal lobe of the brain to be more in control of what's going on with the emotions and so it helps and and willpower also located in a similar part of the brain it basically strengthens the muscle um but there's also doing it Mm. so just making it something you have to do for say four weeks without any question and what I personally find works but I also know from a scientific perspective is when I was writing my book and I was running every day without fail I ran and I would just not give myself a choice so there was no decision making involved it would be like I'm going for a run that's what I do because what we start doing is as soon as we allow our brain to start interfering, the more primitive emotional part of our brain go, oh, I'm a bit tired or oh, I don't feel like it today or mm, I haven't really got time or, oh, I need to buy a new pair of trainers before I go running again. And so we'll have all these excuses. But if we just say, that's what I'm going to do and we don't allow any decision making around it, then we're more likely to do it. Wow, I love that. I love that you that willpower is a muscle and we can we can flex it and we can get better and get more willpower. I think that's really powerful. I hope that people will try to take that on board and and again with the decision making thing, I think it's really interesting that you said, you know, if you offer the cookie once, you might be like, "No, no thank you." And then when you offer it again, it's like, mm, "No, no, no, I'm sure." And then like you said, it kind of wears you down. And um that's interesting because I think I even do that with myself. Not you know what I mean? Yeah. Not even someone asking me, but I'll be like can't really yeah i think that's really interesting that the first time you can be so 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 solid on the no but you can kind of few more times and you're like oh, okay go on then and mm. um, i think we do that with our kids maybe as well yeah totally yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah that's really fascinating i love that and i think um I listened to something recently that was talking about um, building habits around exercise and it was saying that if you decide as you said it's on your list you have to do it one of the things that this trainer was doing with these clients is he said I'm not going to say to you how far I want you to go or you've got to do these exercises or any program to start with he said I just want you every single day to put your trainers on Perfect. and go out your front door and then you can do whatever you want he said that you can run to the end of the street and go back home he said you could run for five minutes you could walk you could jog whatever you want just then you're done and they're like, well, that's ridiculous because I'm just going to go out for two minutes and I'm going to come back. He said, fine, you can do that. You can do it for a month. But what he was doing is he was like, 
showing them that by putting the trainers on going out the front door doing it every single day that repetition as eventually it's going to become a habit so you're not having to like you said make a decision am mm-hmm. i going today am i not absolutely then you can think about what you're going to do that's perfect yeah it's re- and it's really true and just thinking back actually as well in in the context of what he said and what you said you enjoy running to an extent and it is a part of it is finding something you enjoy but it's combining that with so so behavior is so complex there's so many different facets but it's like well let's take the bits we can do something with and that's like i'll find something i enjoy and i'll do like your personal trainer that you're talking about does is i will put my trainers on once a day and it might not be that i do that thing i enjoy for the first month but when i am doing it that's what i'll be doing yeah i think i need to um, adopt this into my life in things that i don't enjoy so things like admin and proofreading and stuff that i just put off and put off off. i would say the type of people i work with is uh find someone else to do that oh okay okay but but there are certain things so there are certain things where you you should leverage your strengths yeah and you think is it actually time effective for you are you getting a return on investment on spending time in that stuff and if it's draining you mentally um and you're not getting that return on investment and you your time could be better spent doing another podcast or doing some more pictures or training someone else do that and pay someone else to do that stuff yes yes i knew it i knew it this is great outsource this is great i'm going to delegate and outsource all the things in my life that i don't like doing including laundry and ironing um okay great so Oh my gosh, this is fascinating for me. I'd love to talk to you more now about the Power Hour or mm-hmm. about my Power Hour. So I don't know if you know much about my Power Hour. Um, well, you told me a bit before. Yeah, yeah. So I, just I started uh, following you on Instagram, okay. so I'm enjoying that. Okay, I so find it very positive. But. Oh, great. Well, I don't know if you've seen any of my early morning starts on there, but yeah, if people who watch my Instagram stories might know, but I tend to get up around 5.45 most days. I'm actually tempted at the moment to kind of make it five, but we'll see. And personally, for me, that has really it's improved my life in so many ways I haven't always jumped out of bed at that time but I've been doing it for about 18 months and yeah I just feel like now I'm more productive I have more energy in the mornings I feel less rushed and less stressed in the morning so I have more time for my son I find that I get so much done with that uninterrupted time that later on in the day I'm no longer on my on my laptop late at night um and I know I'm not the only one like many people attribute some of their success to their morning routine and to rising early so what is the science behind it what what is it about getting up early that can have such a positive impact on your life comes back in part to willpower so our muscle has more strength at that time when it comes to willpower so we're more able to say I'm going to do the things that you might not like doing at another time of day there's um, the clarity of thought first thing in the morning so whereas you know we get distracted later in the day so we might want to reply to that email but oh someone's asked us something on our text on a text message so oh no I haven't answered that email still half an hour later but first thing in the morning we just get on with it and we do it and we know where we're going with stuff there's the inner in uninterrupted I think is absolutely as you say it's it's essentially it might not be science but it's you know we've got social media we've got whatsapp we've got text messages we've got everything coming at us people aren't up at five o'clock in the morning um and so you can just get on and not be interrupted it's like quiet time to just do your thing and it's the same with kids you know if you if you if your son or daughter isn't up at that time or Mm -hmm. your husband you don't get interrupted by them either you know mom i want this or can you give me this you just get your stuff done um 
from a psychological perspective I think it also makes a huge difference to how you feel about yourself during the day because you feel you've accomplished something by eight o'clock yeah and so you can go well amazing I've ticked all these things off my to-do list and now it gives a freeing the sort of saying well a it's you feel empowered and you feel good about yourself but b you feel free to do some other things that you might not have been able to do otherwise because you have oh I've got to pay that bill weighing over you or hanging over your mind or or I haven't done my exercise yet or or whatever and then also from an evolutionary perspective we should get up when the sun comes up Okay. So at the, the moment, moment I'm beating. I was going to say, at the moment it's dark, and I'm kind of forcing myself to to get out before. I'm, sometimes I'm running, and it's actually I get back home as it starts to get light. That's really magical, though, yeah. as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we should be getting up with the sun. So. We, sh- we should, but it's not realistic to be honest, because we should also be going to bed when the sun goes to bed, which means at the moment four thirty. Well, that'd be great, It'd but be yeah, nice, it's not realistic. It's not realistic. Yeah. And I guess we've interrupted that, haven't we, with our artificial, you know, artificial light. light and I guess our circadian rhythms and caffeine and I think Absolutely. people are kind of rewriting their own circadian rhythm and then they tell me, Adrian, I could not possibly get up at that time. No way, I'm, I'm, you know, I couldn't. But I think if without those factors, maybe, maybe they'd be uh, more able to if they were, as you said, you know, without the late night screens and the caffeine, maybe. Yeah, no, it's a good point. It is yeah. a good point. People are quite passionate about it before uh, they've even yeah, tried it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so with that, what time do you wake up <laughs> And do you have an intentional morning routine? What do you do when you get up? So I wake up as late as possible. <laughs> <laughs> um, and sometimes that's six o'clock. Sometimes it's 5.30 because I've got to get to meetings or whatever. Uh, the weekend, hopefully it's nine. Um, my kids get up much earlier than me and my husband does as well. Yeah. And I probably, listening to you, should retry because it was before I had kids I used to get up at about five in the morning and go running before I went to work in the dark and it used to make me feel sick until lunchtime but I know from a physiological perspective and from my psychology that my circadian rhythm has probably changed now so listening to you is actually quite it's kind of inspired me to maybe change some things and try some things differently oh great okay well let me know I will do let me know how that goes um okay great I hope you're feeling inspired as well to at least give it a go and I I think you know I try to say to people for not everybody might want to do it every single day or they might not want to do it um at the same time that I do but surely there are like you know like an entry point so for example for people who really hate mornings and they just are listening and thinking no way and what are some baby steps that they could take to kind of yeah get them involved I'm thinking about myself now (laughs) well I think actually it's interesting you mentioned nighttime routine because I do have a nighttime routine okay so my nighttime routine is I have a decaf tea Mm -hmm. I have um I put my iPhone down for about an hour before bed I try and read before bed and um I use my kindle but it's got like good lighting for Mm -hmm. doing that sort of stuff um and I try and I say try because I don't always do it but do some mindfulness Mm -hmm. and I think if you can get your evening routine right it should and I know I'm not a great example but it should help you with your morning routine Mm -hmm. because it means that you get to sleep and have um quality sleep Mm -hmm. um and there's things like with sleep it's not having caffeine after five o'clock in the evening um all sorts of things impact our sleep so then if you can get quality sleep it's much easier to get up earlier and we actually need less sleep as we get older as well oh okay Um, what how old (laughs) well i mean elderly people need a lot less sleep but um so you probably you're not quite getting into that zone yet (laughs) (laughs) not yet i'm I'm getting there as well 
Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I want to give some practical advice for people. So I have a power hour challenge, which is where I want to encourage people to try something for one week and to let us know if they're doing it. So they can use the hashtag power hour and they can let me know or let you know. If we had just one hour each day this week to focus on improving our physical and emotional health, what should we be doing more of in that time and what should we be doing less of? Okay, so... I mean, I'd say the easy answer with the mental health is there's something the NHS came up with, which is fab, mental health five a day. And so just like your fruit and veg, it's like, what's your mental health five a day? And that comes down to connecting with others, uh, to learning, uh, to giving to others, being mindful and being active. And so there's some crossover with some... I'll go into the bit more, but there's some crossover with some of those with being active as well. Okay. So, for example, keep learning. You can say, I'm going to try a different exercise every week, uh, every day. I mean, I might try a different exercise routine or I might try going to, to do a dance class rather than going to my aerobics or whatever, mm-hmm. or spin. Um, giving to others, it can also be active mm-hmm. because you can say, well, there's an old person who lives in my town who I, I, I think I'll actually jog over there and sort of go and visit them. Mm. Um, being active, obviously, it's being active. Yeah. Um, and connecting with others is also something that can be connected with getting active so mm. you can say well I'm going to go to a class with a friend or mm. I'm going to go for a run with a friend or or whatever but if I go into them from the yeah please do mental health side. yes from the mental health side so there's no, there's five of them so the first one is connect connect so this could obviously be a face-to-face ideally having a cup of coffee with somebody or as you said going for a run with somebody but not connecting just I don't know can it just be a phone call yeah, I mean, phone calls are great because I think we email too often. Okay. And so it's one thing can be a really simple switch is if you email your mum every day, well, pick up the phone, talk to her. Or if you, you know, at lunchtime, you email your wife from, from work, pick up the phone to her. Um, or, that, you know, it's, it's also with friends. It's like, you know, do you actually pick up the phone to your friends or do you just send the messages on WhatsApp or whatever? It's It's really... Um, helpful emotionally to speak to someone face to face obviously is ideal um, and then it's really listening and connecting when you're with people because we're all too often distracted with social media or um, what we've got to do next but it's actually being in the moment with someone and listening and hearing what they're saying is powerful for us as well as it is for them hmm. yeah so number one connect with others okay what was number two number two is keep learning um, and in the beginning of my book, that you remember, I did stuff on curiosity. And curiosity is such a powerful uh, behaviour um, for our well-being, actually, for our mental well-being. And it's it's starting to question the things around you, not in a negative way, but in a, oh, why is that like that? I haven't noticed that sign before. Or why is that there? Or why did they say that? Or it's And it's really starting to expand your world by asking questions, looking at things differently, pushing boundaries. It might be um, doing something different. Uh, So it might be going somewhere different. It might be not sitting in the same chair, changing a habit. 
might be listening to a podcast, listening to a TED talk. Um, there's so many different ways of staying curious and keep learning. And you see people in their 90s who are most mentally healthy and active and no doubt they will still be curious and learning. Yeah, wow, that's very powerful. And listening to what you said then about why does this do that or what's that was just making me think of my son. I know we've, yeah. we've both got children and that is what kids do. It is, and they we lose so it. so many questions, yeah. We, and we lose it as we get older. And there's, that's, again, the science shows we lose it as we get older, but we don't have to. Um, and I, I like thinking of it as being a detective. So it's trying to work out, well, why is that like that? And just remind yourself and think of your favourite programme, whether it's CSI or whatever, and think you're one of those characters and just get into that mindset. Yes, great. And what was number three? Giving to others. Brilliant. It doesn't mean you have to buy someone a car or something like that. It means it can mean giving time. It can mean giving help. Um, It can mean literally uh, saying hello to someone as you pass them in the street or asking the cashier when you buy something how was their day and genuinely meaning it that's giving to others and that actually from an evolutionary perspective it was thought that we're actually naturally selfish we're not we're naturally more altruistic and it feeds our brain positively if we do that obviously it makes the other person feel great too but it's good for us yeah and so but it can be those tiny things and the things I try and do and I love it is is say hello to the cashier Mm-hmm. or genuinely ask someone how they are and they sort of look up and, and look slightly quizzical especially in London yeah. at you it's like oh you, you actually want to know how I am but it's it's special for me too it gives me energy because it makes me think oh that's nice I think I've made them feel good yeah yeah I like to ask people how's your day been or how's your day going and as you said sometimes people look surprised especially if I don't know them very well like you said an interaction like that with a, a, a stranger they're kind of like Ooh, it's fine yeah yeah good actually or, or they'll say oh you know whatever tell me about their journey or something but it is really interesting their expression when you do say to them oh yeah I'm good how's your day going and they're like oh really you're asking me about me but and it's interesting what sparks in me is even asking your partner because we often get home and we don't ask each other if we live with a partner or whatever you don't ask them how their day was right or you ask them and you don't really mean it. it's like how's your day and you sort of walk off it's actually yeah. it's just sit and listen yeah okay what was um, number four number four is be mindful so it's, it, mindful's really hard because it's sort of everywhere at the moment and it's kind of like oh be mindful mindful but being mindful can be it doesn't mean sitting and meditating necessarily for half an hour it can be incorporated very much into life and and what it's doing in effect in the brain is quietening down the chatter and it's quietening down the emotional brain that's shouting at you the whole time going oh you need to do this or i don't want to do that or oh, i feel horrible or, and it's just giving your brain a break which is easier said than done mm. but that's where right right now when we're sat in these chairs or you know whoever's listening is like what are you sat on how does that feel on your legs are your feet on the floor how does that feel can you feel the air temperature on your skin and so there are easy ways of doing it which don't mean you have to suddenly sort of start meditating for for half an hour an hour every day but then there's also you know amazing apps that you can get now that really kind of just you can also incorporate into your day so I think they're really really helpful but it's not a load of uh, mumbo jumbo Mm. it actually um, shows if you're mindful the brains of for example meditators and monks and what have you you your frontal lobe so the bit where you make decisions and you control emotions and things like that is more able to manage the bit of your brain that goes a bit crazy you know when you're tired or whatever so it's, it has a really positive effect great 
Brilliant. And number five. So the last one, quite aptly, is being active. Yeah. Um, but being active doesn't mean necessarily going for a run. Yeah. Being active can be, if you like gardening, garden, if you've got a garden. Um, if you like going for a walk, go for a walk. If you like talking to friends and you don't notice, I mean, I find when I run with a friend, I can run so far because I just just chat the whole time and I forget and I forget the pain or whatever. I just run. Um, but it might be that you, you know, you like running around tidying up the house. I know it sounds odd, but but some people do like that and it is active. There are all sorts of different ways of being active and it's explore, look at different things, see can I be active just by walking up the stairs? Can I be active by parking my car further away in the car park from the supermarket? There's all sorts of different ways and it's being about being a bit creative with that. But if you are really energetic and you like going to the gym and it's making sure it's in your diary because, so the guys I work with, when I coach um, these senior leaders and people, when they're, when things go crazy at work, they stop going to the gym and they stop being active and one thing I always come back to before anything else is you need that time it's a priority over doing that deal or whatever they're doing and it's the same with all of us if you've got kids whatever it is it's a priority make it a priority and get it in your diary yeah I really love that you're literally speaking my language I'm so glad you said that because I say that to people and again they'll say oh yeah Adrienne I know you love it but I think it is a priority and I think for people who like you said if it's in your diary and it's first thing in the morning you know regardless we give a lot during the day to you know other deadlines to school run pickup kids you know play dates it might be um you know meetings in there whatever it is in your diary set times and often I think it's like a an option for people it's like oh if i'm feeling like it i'll go for that run or if i'm feeling like it i'll go to that class when actually as you said it's so important to setting you up to feeling good and giving that time to yourself you deserve that one hour or whatever it is to spend on with yourself doing something active and i liked what you said then about being active doesn't have to be running it doesn't have to be you know a structured hour in the gym it could be you know out with your kids with a football or scooter Mm -hmm. or you know Mm. try and keep up with them that that'll keep you active and actually that's really interesting because there's one woman that she that I coach I, um, I adore everyone I coach but she's um she was absolutely up to the eyeballs very difficult situation going on at home as well as at work and so I was saying you need to be active and so the way we ended up agreeing that she'd be active was go to, for a walk with the kids and I said and at some points you need to run you say I'm going to run to the next lamppost with you and just do little games and there's, there's ways of being creative with it just kind of make it work yeah and it's so you know there's so many physical health benefits I I read something recently about dog walkers and how when people get a dog especially later in their life you know their blood pressure comes down their resting heart rate comes down their risk of type 2 diabetes is reduced and these because it's daily because it's not just once in a while they feel like I'm going to put my trainers on you know rain or shine if you've got a dog and especially a bigger dog who needs a, a, a 20 minute walk twice a day that 20 minutes twice a day 40 minutes you know you do the math seven times a week it's a lot of walking yeah. it's a lot of minutes so even if you're someone who thinks i hate the gym i don't want to do exercise class I don't, anything like that just walking 20 minutes a day absolutely huge game changer great oh my gosh this is fantastic so those are the five things guys so i want you to maybe even just pick one and give it a try this week let us know and we're coming to a close so my final question for you fiona which is a question that I asked to everyone on the show is I believe that time is the most valuable thing that we have I genuinely believe that I've learned that over in my life and I know you can't get your time back you can get your money back but you can never get your time back so what is the most valuable thing that time has taught you well it's interesting because we happened upon the running thing 
but it's that every emotion will pass. So it's be patient. Um, you know, everyone has bad emotions. Everyone has a tough time sometimes. And in that tough time, it feels like that's going to be forever. It's be patient. It'll pass. And what I didn't know as a teenager before I'd studied psychology is, and it's becoming more well-known now, you mustn't fight that emotion. And you try not to engage with it. It's just surf it out. So it's thinking about that emotion as something you've just got to sit out, ride out, but don't engage with it because it just makes it worse. Just leave it. Very much easier said than done, but it's something that I've learned because, you know, I might be a psychologist, but it doesn't mean I don't struggle with stuff. Um, and as I've got older, I've found that that's easier. Time will always pass. Well, thank you. That's brilliant. So if everybody listening to this is loving it as much as I am, how can they find more? How can they find you online, in real life? Um, in real life, I'm sort of out and about and popping up at various things. Um, my book, as you mentioned, online, I'm FionaMurden.com. And I do a blog. I try to do it weekly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's Instagram is my name again, Facebook, Twitter. They're all sort of just my name. So, yeah, it's at Fiona Murden and the book is Defining You. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Fiona. Thank you for coming onto the show Thank today for and me. for sharing all of your wisdom with us. Um, that's it, guys. I really hope that you enjoyed this week's episode. Please share it with a friend. Make sure that you subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. I would really, really appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate your time. See ya. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.